Hey, welcome to the Project Church podcast. My name is Caleb Cole. I'm the lead pastor here at Project Church in downtown Sacramento. And we're so glad that you came to hear this word. We believe this is going to encourage you, build you up, and give you life. So get ready to receive a message from God. Sunday morning, especially a Sunday morning that is so hot. So welcome to church. Um, like Pastor Chrissy and Pastor Caleb said, my name is Alex Shancoot. I am actually newly married to the man in the drum cage right there. So give it up. Give it up for our drummer. Come on. He is handsome. He is talented. Oh, I love him. Anyways, we've had a busy summer. I have had a busy summer. Like I said, I got married in June, newly married. We're basically pros at this point. We've been married for a little bit over two months now. Um, Yeah, right? Pros. Yeah. And so when we came back from our honeymoon, I think it was like maybe a week, maybe a little bit more than that, I left. I left to Mexico. So he was home alone for a whole week. He was really sad. Um, I was sad too, of course. But I was able to go to Mexico with this amazing group in the front row. There's a lot of them up here right now. Uh, 15 of us went to Mexico for a missions trip, and we built a home for a beautiful family out there. And so Make sure that you guys have your eyes peeled because we're going to have some more missions trips in the future. But this trip to Mexico was a really humbling experience. Um, And it actually helped me to shape this message quite a bit. You see, as I was preparing for the sermon, even as they gave me the topic of the gospel and materialism in light of the elephant in the room, I really got to thinking, is this an issue that we need to talk about Is this an issue that is still relevant to us? Um, Are we still struggling with materialism? And in our time in Mexico, the Lord said yes. This is something that we are struggling with. Because I began to realize that the issue is actually not material things. It's not our material possessions. It's our attitude toward our material possessions. Because in Mexico, what we did was we built a home a material possession for a family. We provided them with a water tank, with a sink, with everything that they need to survive. And that's the key here with this issue. We have become a culture in our American church where we no longer are buying into material things to survive. It's more out of our wants or our desires rather than our needs. But what I've seen is we've actually turned our wants and desires into needs, as if we do need those things to survive. And I'm talking about maybe even the new fancy shoes that you bought for this Sunday. I know some of us are in this room, especially in our Christian American culture, where we're actually so consumed with what we wear to church that we need to be the most relevant, the coolest person in the room. And so that's the big issue that I see with materialism within the church, and not just Project Church, but we've turned our wants of material things into needs. But I do want to clear the air and everybody take a deep breath because it isn't materialism 
in the sense of what we have that's the issue. Our affluence is not the issue. I know so many people, especially even people in this room, in this church, that have much, but have actually a great attitude about materialism, an attitude that is bent toward the Lord. So the issue with materialism is not our affluence, it's our attitude. And what I've seen with materialism, especially in the American church, is that we've allowed materialism to distract us from beholding the God who provides. And that's what I saw in Baja, Mexico. That's what this team saw in Baja, Mexico, that these people were not so consumed with materialism that it distracted them from the God who provides, but they, they were pressing into the God who provides. And so that is our challenge today. Our challenge is to fix our eyes on the one who provides for us once again. And so if you know me, you know that I love scripture. And so we're gonna dig into some scripture today. Um, Topical messages are not the easiest for me. I'm more of give me a text and we're gonna pick out all the truth in the scripture. So um, we're gonna actually do just that. But the scripture speaks a lot to finances, a lot to money, treasuring earthly things, and materialism. And so we're going to start out with Matthew 6, 24 through 34. And here Jesus is kind of in the middle of his Sermon on the Mount, and he makes it a point to speak about money, speak about materialism. And we're going to see that he's asking us, he's calling us to shift our attitudes, Because again, the issue with materialism isn't our affluence, it's our attitudes. And so Jesus says this in Matthew 6, 24 through 34. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. So I wanna pause there. If you're taking notes, if you have your physical Bible with you or even if you have the YouVersion app, highlight that you cannot serve God in money. This is really the root cause of the issue with materialism that surrounds materialism is that we are trying to either serve God and money or we're simply just serving money. And so let that be at the forefront of your mind as we go through the rest of this text. Jesus goes on to say, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Like at, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Again, I wanna pause here. Are you not of more value than they? In the midst of a conversation about materialism and whether or not we're worrying about our material goods and whether or not we're serving God or money, Jesus immediately speaks identity into us. He's saying, are you not of more value than the birds of the air? Even our heavenly father provides for them. How much more will he provide for us? He goes on. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies in the field, how they grow. They never toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. 
But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Again, our identity. O you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. This is our answer. And all of these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And so, Lord, we thank you, God, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. God, I pray that as we speak about materialism and we dive into your word, that freedom would fall in this place, Lord, that more of us would trust you with our material goods, that more of us would trust you with our finances, and that we would trust that you provide for us, that you are the one that sustains us. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. We give you all the glory and all the praise. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So again, the issue with materialism, it's not our affluence, it's our attitude. And as I was preparing for this, the Lord provided me a few different scriptures that we're going to be going through. Um, but really, he provided me kind of this checklist or checkpoints to help us resist materialism. So here are four checkpoints to resist materialism. The first is to realign your attitude. I don't know if you guys noticed, but in those 10 verses that we read in Matthew 6, six times Jesus alluded to an anxious feeling regarding our material things. He said, don't be anxious, or why are you anxious about what you eat or what you drink or what you will wear? Don't you know that your heavenly father will provide for you? So that's our first checkpoint, is to realign our attitude. And so right now I want us to give ourselves a heart check. Where is your attitude in regards to your finances, in regards to your material possessions? Are you worried? Are you anxious? Do you doubt that God will provide for you? Are you discontent with what you have? If your answer was yes to any of those questions, then I would argue that maybe you are serving money and not serving God. The root of that anxiety is that you can't serve God and money. And if you serve money, the word says that we will despise the other. But when we serve God, we have this confidence. We have a confidence that he will provide for us. And this attitude shift is important because God cares about our hearts. He cares about the condition of our hearts. He knows that behavior modification is not the answer. Behavior modification is actually should be the fruit of us changing our hearts, of us shifting our attitude, of our inward transformation. And so that's where we're going to start. We're going to start by doing a heart check because God cares about our heart. And then I begin to ask myself, well, God, why do we even struggle with this elephant in the room? Why do we struggle with materialism? Why do we worry about it? Why are we anxious about our material possessions? And he brought me to a scripture. 
But essentially what he said is because we have been fed a lie. So my, first, my second checkpoint to you is to resist the lie. And what is that lie? Well, that lie is the prosperity gospel. And we see and hear this a lot, especially in the American church. And essentially what this is, is that we see godliness as a means of gain. And that sounds profound, right? But this is from the text that I'm going to bring to you guys right now. And we see this within our churches, that the more we pray, the more we will receive. The more holy we are, the more fancy shoes I'm going to get. Whatever it is for you, right? Some people see godliness like that as a means of gain. They're seeing godliness not as a means to glorify our creator, but as a means to glorify themselves. And so this is what Paul says in regards to the poverty or the prosperity gospel in 1 Timothy. And I'm presenting this to you and reading this to you because the Prosperity gospel is not just something that plagues us today. This has been an issue even in the church of old. And so this is what Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 3 through 5. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ in the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. I'm just going to warn you guys, there is some harsh language here. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words, which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and depraved in truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. And so... The, what produces this prosperity gospel is wrong teaching. You see that in that first verse, verse uh, three. It says, if anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and then there's this list of sins and wrongdoings, and part of that is the prosperity gospel. Part of that is that, oh, now I believe that godliness is a means of gain. But that is the lie. That is the lie that I want us to resist and it's really important that we recognize that this lie of the prosperity gospel is in bad company. It's in the company of conceit, controversy, envy, dissension, slander, and evil suspicions. Paul goes on to say, but godliness with contentment is great gain. So some of you might be like, okay, I don't get it, <laughs> right? At first you said, godliness is not a means to great gain. But then Paul goes on to say, godliness with contentment is great gain. And that's true. The main difference here is the contentment piece, that we are content with what the Lord has provided us in our lives, that we can rest assured that he is our provider, that he is our source, goes on, for we brought nothing into this world, and we cannot taking, take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Oof. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. 
It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. So again, this is pretty harsh language, but I believe that Paul and Holy Spirit spoke through Paul to speak to us so that we would understand the gravity of materialism, the weight that materialism has in our lives. It says that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It says that the love of money brings us down a path of ruin and destruction and even has had some people fall away from the faith. And so I'm not here to scare you, but I am here to encourage you that God is our provider. And there is this lie that we can provide for ourselves. And that lie is found within the prosperity gospel. It's all about our actions, right? If I pray more, if I am more holy, then I will gain X, Y, and Z. But the true gospel tells us that God is simply our provider. Regardless of what we do, God is our provider. And we're gonna get into that a little bit, but I want us to understand that, again, this prosperity gospel, this false prosperity gospel is a result of wrong teaching and a result of a distorted view of God. And so, like I had mentioned, I love the word. I love the church. I love that we get to come here and share the word with you guys. But something that I do often and something that I encourage you to do, even as I'm speaking, is get into the word for yourself. See what the Lord has for you and find truth in that. Allow his word to direct your path. Not just my word, not just the communicators up here, but God's word to direct your path. The third checkpoint to resist materialism is to remember the hope. So we know that there actually is great gain when we pursue godliness and contentment, but what does that actually look like? What does that hope look like? At the beginning of this message, I shared with you guys that I just returned from a missions trip to Baja, Mexico with the best team, the best missions team that you could ever ask for. Um, I actually have a picture of our team and the family that we built a home for right here. So this is our team. Yes, give a round of applause. This is our team, and this is the family that we built a home for, and the dogs, the puppies that we couldn't, couldn't uh, take our hands off. They were super cute. Um, but like I said, this family, we provided them with something that was material. And the material thing is not bad because their eyes were fixed on the right thing. And something that really took me and it changed my perspective about this message that I'm preaching today is remembering the hope. And this mom, the mother that's in turquoise right here, every single day we were building on their property, she would provide us with snacks, beverages to make sure that we were hydrated. And then at the end of our trip, at the end of our time there, she made us a feast. So she sacrificed. You have to understand that this family Really, the majority of Mexico is living in extreme poverty. The fact that she was feeding over 15 people every day and then made more than enough food for us on our last day was a sacrifice for her. 
But I believe that she was confident that God would give her a great return. She was so confident in her hope that she trusted that God would provide for her and her family as he did in this photo with that house in the background. But something that she said to us as we gave her the keys was, I prayed for this for four years. I've prayed for a home where the roof wouldn't leak for four years. And I can't help but think that all of those prayers for those four years were saturated in a hope that only comes from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the hope that she had did have a great return. It took delay. Remember, she prayed for four years. But God is faithful to his promise. She had a great return of the Lord's mindfulness of her. Think about how she felt when a group of people built a house for her that she prayed for four years. She probably thought, oh wow, the Lord does hear my prayers. The Lord is mindful of me. The hope that had a great return is the return of the Lord's provision. The Lord provided for her and a great return of the Lord's promise. But I wanna challenge us and encourage us today because our hope in the Lord does not just have great return in what he's blessed us with. The Lord himself is a great return. The Lord himself is a great treasure. And I wanna encourage us with this in Hebrews 10, 34 through 35. It says, for you had compassion on those in prison and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession, an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. And this scripture very much so reflects this mother. She had a great confidence that yielded a great reward and she was willing to plunder her property for us, to feed us, because she knew she had a better possession. She knew she had a better possession that abides in her. And I believe that the author of Hebrews knows this very well too. The author of Hebrews understands the great treasure that we have in Jesus. The treasure that we have in Jesus, he is our, the bread of life. He is our advocate. He is our deliverer. He is our risen Lord. He is our savior. He is our redeemer. He is our king of kings. He is our healer. He is all sufficient. He is our hope. He is our treasure. Can I tell you? Yes. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> can I tell you that there is nothing on this earth that can compare to the treasure that is Jesus? All of our earthly possessions combined together will never compare to the treasure that we have in Jesus. Our treasures on earth will never be our redeemer. Our treasures on earth will never be our king of kings. Our treasures on earth will never be our savior. Our treasures on earth will never be our hope. There is nothing that compares to, to the treasure that is Jesus. And so, we've realigned our attitude. 
we've shifted from a place of serving money or even having that temptation to serve money to serving God. And I believe that even in this room, even right now, the Lord is just breaking off any anxiousness that people have towards their material possessions, that people have towards their finances, that the Lord is breaking off worry and ushering in a confidence in him, ushering in a confidence that has a great return. So we've realigned our attitude. We've resisted the lie. We've even found out where this lie comes from, right, from wrong teaching. And I'd hope that after this message, every time you guys hear a message like this, you would return to your scriptures that you would seek that truth for yourself. We've also remembered the hope. I hope that you guys have come back to understanding who Jesus is to us, the treasure that he is to us. Nothing compares to him. And I've hoped that, I hope that we would be reminded of that today. But now what? What do we do with all of that? I don't know about you guys, but I am a very practical person. I want the next step. I want a good understanding of what to do next. And that is, which is our last point, to recognize your role. Going back to that Matthew 6 text, his Sermon on the Mount, towards the end of it, Jesus says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So immediately in this text, he provided the problem. The problem is that we have an issue with serving money over God or trying to serve both, but we know that we can't. And then he addressed what happens to us internally. We have anxiousness, we have worry, we have concern. Then he provides us with an answer to that problem a resolution to that problem. And that is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things that you're worrying about, what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear, those will be added to you because you are seeking him first. But as I was praying on this and asking the Lord, what do you want to speak to your people today? I was encouraged by him because he said that this is not just an antidote to a problem. It's actually an invitation. Seeking him first, seeking him in his kingdom, in his righteousness, is an invitation into sonship and daughtership. He's saying your heavenly father will provide for you because our heavenly father loves to provide for his children. And so that's the invitation that I want to bring to you guys today. Whether you have accepted that invitation in the past or maybe you never have before, but if you're in this place and you are concerned about your material possessions or maybe you value them at a greater value than you should, would you accept this invitation to be a son or a daughter? Because when we do, and when we align ourselves in our right identity, we do have a confidence. We have a confidence in our God who is our treasure. We have a confidence in our God who provides for us. We have a confidence in our God who gives his children good things. 
What I've seen in my life is that the fruit of my right identity has been generosity. If I'm being honest, when I first came to church and I didn't grow up in church, you guys. So what we see here is a blessing to me because I didn't have this. But when I came to church, I struggled with this. I struggled with treasuring things here on earth. I struggled with having anxiousness toward my money and the things, the physical things that I valued. And so when I came in and they started doing worship and then they got to a point of the tithe and the offering, I was like, that's actually not for me. I have nothing to offer. I have nothing to give. But then the more and more I started coming to church and cultivating a right relationship with Jesus and understanding my identity in him, something strange happened. The fruit of that was generosity. I began to serve more. I began to give of my time more. And even the thing that I was grasping because I was so afraid to give it away, I began to become, become more generous. I began to give back to God what is already his, which is our money. Do you guys know that's his? It's not even ours. That is the fruit of a right aligned identity is that we actually become more like him. We become like our generous God. And God does something with that. He's not a transactional God, but he is a God of great return. And so I may not have the nicest clothes or the nicest car or the nicest house because I'm giving back to him what is already his with my finances, but I do have more peace. I do have more hope. I do have more joy. And he has blessed me with more things. But my attitude toward those things is not that I serve those things. I see them as a blessing. I see them as a gift and I serve God. You cannot serve God and money. You will either love the one or despise the other. And so I believe that there's some of us in here who do struggle with this. Even the topic of me talking about our tithes and offerings probably made some of you cringe. Honestly, when I was tasked with this subject, I was like, I don't wanna talk about that. I don't wanna talk about that at all. Like how can I get past this? But the reality is, is that we can't. Because we even actually have this opportunity to give of our tithes and offerings every single Sunday, every week. And what I've found is that we've kind of made it a formality. I even have, I set up recurring giving and I don't even really think about my offering every single month. But I would encourage you that you would, that you would set an alarm whenever your recurring giving goes in because this is an offering. This is a sacrifice to the Lord. And this is us expressing our trust in the Lord saying, God, I know that you can do so much more with what I'm giving you than what I can do. God is a really good steward. I don't know if you guys knew that. We're okay. 
maybe a little bit less than that. But God is an amazing steward. And like I had mentioned, I, I struggled with this before and I didn't give of my tithe when I first came to church. And maybe for some of you, you're like 10%, that's asking a lot. Start with something. I didn't start with 10%. And then I increased my giving more and more every year and I got to 10%. But some of you might feel called to actually give more. And I would say that you know that you're probably giving the right amount when it hurts a little bit, when it is a sacrifice. Again, I just cringe, right? Cause I'm like, I don't wanna say that, but it's the truth. Like what I give hurts a little bit, but it's a sacrifice. So I believe that in a room this size, in our American church, there are probably a lot of us that struggle with allowing materialism to distract us from beholding the God who provides. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I wanna address a couple of different groups in this room. If you're somebody who has allowed materialism and money to distract you from beholding the God who provides, to distract you from receiving from the God who provides, and you found yourself in a place where you're trying to provide for yourself. I want you to raise your hand. Yeah, I see that hand. I see that hand. Yeah, hands all around the room. This is something that we all struggle with. And then again, in a room this size, I'm sure that there are some people where the only treasure you're aware of is an earthly one where the only treasure that you're aware of is the one that you earn through your job, where the only treasure that you're aware of is the one that you purchase with the money that you have. But can I tell you that that treasure only yields a temporary satisfaction. And we have a greater treasure with a great return in Jesus, a treasure that brings hope and joy and peace and comfort, redemption, reconciliation. He is our savior and he is inviting us today into a right relationship with him. And so if you're in this room and you have never received the treasure that is Jesus and you would like to be received as a son or as a daughter, I wanna ask you in faith, to raise your hand. Yeah, I see that hand. Yeah. So good. Lord, we thank you, God. We thank you, Lord, that you are our greatest treasure. We thank you, Lord, that you are the one who provides for us. We thank you, Lord, that we no longer have to worry about what we will eat, what we will drink, what we will wear, because God, you care so much for us to provide for us. You are mindful of us. Thank you, Lord, that you, the creator of the heavens and the earth, are mindful of us. 
And Lord, would you just bring freedom into this room? I pray, Father God, that all doubt, all worry, all anxiety would flee and that we would walk in a confidence that you will provide for us every single day of our lives. Lord, we love you. We give you all the glory. You are our first love, Jesus. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you, built you up, and gave you life. We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.